Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. All right, man. I mean, it's been it's been a cool, long, interesting week. And, uh, you know, you're, you're back on the Hot Takes with James podcast. And uh, James is going to take it from here. And he's going to tell us what the uh, new update of the week is. Oh my goodness. I mean, this week I've just been doing a lot of work. Um, I've been doing a lot of studying and and evaluation, you know, for my annual list. I mean, usually I stick to about a hundred players. But in the past few years, I've stuck to mainly being position player expert. You know, I mean, that's where my strength is. Um, Last, I'm going to say year, about year, um, I've decided, you know what, I can, I can bring back pitching into it. Uh, I look around to people I talk to in terms of pitching evaluation. And I'm like, I know most more, more than most of these people. So why not just bring it back in? And um, so now instead of just doing a top 100 with like 25 honorable mentions, I decided to, you know, what's that doubled when you add in pitching. Okay. Well, 125 plus 125 is 250. So 200 players, 50 honorable mentions, relief pitchers, starting pitchers, every position. Um, so I've been working on that, and that's getting closer and closer to being done. And we're, we're talking about bits and pieces of that on uh, me and Sean's channel. Uh, you guys can go check it out, Baseball Guy Sean. Uh, we do incredible work over there. Um, but uh, – the main news that I want to get into for this week outside of that, that's almost done for you guys. It'll, you know, I'll be publishing that um, on my Saber Scouts page, uh, saberscouts.com. You guys can check that out uh, as well as putting up the combined statistics from the 2020 and 2019 seasons, given that such a short period of time. But uh, yeah, outside of checking that out there, definitely check that out. Uh, the big news of the week was George Springer signed with the Blue Jays instead of the Mets. Uh, it was always, you know, rumored that if George Springer wasn't going to go to the Mets, that the most likely team would probably be the Blue Jays. I always thought that the Mets would get him, though. Um, Steve Cohen's all about spending money, and he seems to be really about upgrading the Mets' entire roster. Um, but it looks like at least for next year, he's comfortable going with some sort of platoon of Brandon Nimmo and Malik Smith in center field. Nimmo likely, you know, innings one through seven, one through eight, and then Malik's after that point in time. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of sacrificing defense for an offense, you know, heavy platoon that gives you defense in the late innings, but it does work. Um, And because they weren't willing to spend that much money on Springer, and he did get a huge contract, uh, the Blue Jays were able to step in. And now the Blue Jays have, in my opinion, a five-man offense, a really dangerous five-man offense, uh, maybe six-man at most. Um, but they're building something. They're close to having, you know, enough of a lineup uh, where, you know, you're, you're really going to consider them one of the more dangerous offenses in the league. Um, they got Hunjin Ryu a little bit ago. They have Nate Pearson coming up. They have Simeon Woods uh, Richardson, I believe is his, his name. Um, and he's a fantastic pitcher as well. Um, I want to see the Blue Jays go out and get a couple more arms. Bullpen, rotation. They got Kirby Yates, one of the best relievers in the sport, uh, as well this week. So it's a big, big week for the Blue Jays. Um, but don't, don't oversell it. Don't overblow it. The Blue Jays still have moves to do. Um, and that kind of, that leads us into our first topic, actually, oddly I'm enough. Literally going to say that too. I was yeah. really, and that's a good segue into the fact that you're doing divisional breakdowns and we're starting with the Blue Jays. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are already <laughs> with the moves that the Rays have made, you know, dealing Blake Snell and, uh, having all these players who, you know, yes, they've had, you know, first good season at the big leagues, but they seem to be kind of coming back down to earth. So even though the Rays have had all of these seemingly, you know, hits 
on their roster. Um, I don't think that even with the Blue Jays getting Yates and even with them getting Springer, that it quite makes them a good enough team to take down Tampa Bay yet. This is one of my uh, predictions where it's never discount Tampa Bay. And also, I don't think that the Blue Jays are close to being at a point where you can definitively say that they've done enough to overcome them. Um, Which players do I like on the Blue Jays? Well, I I like a lot of players across their roster. I'm a big fan of Hunjin Ryu ever since he was with the Dodgers. Uh, I remember when he first came over to the U.S., people were giving him comparisons to David Wells, which I thought was like, wait, what? Really? David Wells? He's that good? And he proved to be that good. So uh, big fan of Hunjin Ryu. Um, they have this guy, Nate Pearson, in their rotation as well. Not sure he should be in the rotation. I think he should be building up innings a little bit uh, in the minors. He throws a fastball of 102 miles an hour. He looks like Noah Sindergaard out there. He looks like one of the best pitchers in the game. But I don't think you can afford to mess that up. And you have a lot of time for these hitters to develop. So uh, I think, you know, Nate Pearson, while he's great, I am not sure he's big league ready. If he is, I want them to go a little easier on him than they did last year because he was having elbow problems. And that's always a worry. Oh, Tommy John. Now they're going to have to push his window even back further. So take it easy with him, grow him. I don't think you can expect too much from him. Uh, Simeon Woods Richardson. It's either Richards or Richardson. Um, He's a fantastic control command pitcher. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to be big league ready until the second half. Don't rush him either. Uh, if you have those two guys and you have Hunjin Ryu, it makes it really easy to fill out the back. And they already have Robbie Ray, who needs to transition to the AL after being an NL pitcher his whole career. He was always a number three starter, like a good number three starter who in a good year could be a two because he gets a lot of strikeouts. Um, but he's also a lefty and he does walk a lot of people and he does have a homer issue. So he really does need to prove that he can pitch in the AL, which is, you know, full lineups with the DH. There's no breaks. And if you're walking people, there might be people on base when you finally let a home run go. Uh, They also have, I believe, Tanner Roark, who's a fine number five starter, but don't expect anything extraordinary out of him. So it's not the worst rotation, but two of those five are not big league ready. One of those five is a five starter. And then the other one is a guy who like, has not proved he can pitch in the American League. So it's Hunjin Ryu and then all of that. Um, with their bullpen, they have Yates, who's kind of, I guess, taking the place of, uh, I believe, Giles, who is a free agent and had Tommy John. Um, Yates is a great reliever, but he's also coming back from Tommy John. So kind of funny how that works out. The rest of their bullpen is solid. A lot of arms need growth. Sean Reed Foley, a couple other other guys. Give them time for those guys to develop and learn how to pitch at the big leagues. I, I liken it to a lot of the, the side arms that the Yankees have uh, at the big league level. They got guys like Loy Sega, Rose Hard should be a decent reliever, but he hasn't put it all together. Uh, ben Heller, you know, maybe the velocity dips. So if it comes back, maybe he'll be a good reliever. Like they have a lot of guys like that. Um, but also you don't want to be like rushing guys up from the minors to help their bullpen at all. This is very much a growth process that the Blue Jays are going through. Uh, The good news for them is, you know, Rue is a stud. If you develop Richard Richardson uh, and uh, uh, Pearson, if you develop both of those guys, if, if Ray makes his transition to the American League, if after Roark leaves, you can bring in a stud pitcher next offseason, your rotation's great, but you can't rush this process. Um, if you develop some of those relievers uh, and Yates comes back full strength, then you know you might have something in the bullpen. Uh, with regards to their lineup at catcher, it's either Reese McGuire, who has uh, I mean I don't know if we should be talking about you know his questionable actions in last spring trainings, uh, Arizona parking lot. <laughs> Um, yeah, he, he, you know, was caught by the police doing some questionable things in a parking lot that actually don't involve illicit substances. So you can imagine what he might be doing that is 
kind of not something that we can talk about here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's still with them. And, uh, you know, usually, you know, I, if, I, if we weren't in this context, I would, I would, uh, I would rhyme what he did with his last name in some sort of way, because his last name's McGuire. Um, so, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, that guy. You got to stop him. So, yes, he's one of their characters. <laughs> if he's not the guy who ends up being the everyday starter for them, it's Danny Jansen, who is one of the otter catchers in the big leagues himself. Because on one side, Danny Jansen, when he came up, he was expected to be a hitter first and a defender second. And he was a fantastic defender and a terrible hitter. And now he's starting to hit and his defense is starting to fall off a cliff. So it's flipping. So he's a very interesting guy, but I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I don't think that the defense he showed early career is real, uh, but it might be. And uh, I do think that the offense that he's showing now is real, but it may not be extraordinary, but it might be enough for catcher. Um, so he's in competition with McGuire. And then there's Alejandro Kirk, who I'm sure they could let develop in double AA, A, triple A. But given how good he hit last year and how he just didn't strike out, they might just let him play at the big leagues. But one thing I do want to say about Kirk is a lot of his hits, he wasn't able to get the bat around on a lot of the balls he was hitting. So even though he hit the ball hard and hit the ball frequently, all of it was kind of opposite field and he was getting beat on a lot of pitches. So I don't think that he's entirely big league ready and keeping him in the big leagues immediately might re like at the, at the start of the year, it might really mess with his development. If you can keep him down a couple of months, a he'll grow a bit more, but you can also extend his service time by an extra year. So you'll have him under contract longer. And then maybe at that point in time, you know, you can factor him into the big league team, but I think Jansen's probably going to be their catcher which means he'll probably have to be the DH, which means Talese might have to move to first and maybe Vlad Guerrero moves to a corner outfield spot because he is getting skinnier and has a cannon of an arm. You can maybe hide him if you have the right defenders. Um, it becomes a little bit complicated because then there's Teoscar Hernandez in the situation, but I'm, I'm ahead of myself. Um, so that's catcher, Kirk, McGuire, Jansen. Like I said, I think it's going to be Jansen. I think Kirk needs a little bit more time. But yes, Kirk could be a big leaguer. He could hit at the big leagues this season. So um, yeah, especially by the second half, he could be up. Um, at DH, Rowdy Talese really found his way in the second half of last year. He was doing incredible things with the bat. He's always been a guy who had high exit velocity. Uh, baseball savant has liked him for years and he did perform in the minor leagues. So it looks like that production from the minors is finally transitioning to the big leagues. He looks like a guy who could be at least a middle of the order hitter versus righties, maybe more than that. Fantastic that he's the DH because he can just focus on that. Just hit. Uh, at first base, they have Vlad Guerrero Jr., who I'm expecting to have a full breakout. One of my favorite players in the game. Not going to deny, like, if I could build a team, he would be on it. You know, like, I find a way, you know. I'm that big on his bat. I think he's going to be Miguel Cabrera. Like, that's that's big. I mean, he hasn't done anything close to that at the big leagues but like i'm gonna say it right now i even if i'm the first one to do it i think he's going to be miguel cabrera year in year out batting averages in the 330s year in year out 40 homers and that's a big thing to say about someone who's not even 23 years old i don't even know if he's 22 actually i think he might be 21 this year but uh yeah i i, I think the world of this guy should he stay healthy um and i'm expecting a big year out of him too so they'll might, they might get something from catcher. They look like they're going to get something from DH. I really like their DH. I really like their first base situation. Um, second base is Biggio. Yes, uh, the other Biggio's son. Uh, is Kevin Biggio, Craig Biggio. Uh, so Kevin Biggio, spelled with a C, just like his dad. Um, he's the second baseman for the club. And having a father who played in baseball recently... And having a really great batting eye, um, it can benefit him. And I hope he's able to take like next steps as a player. But throughout the minor leagues, 
every step of the way. He was viewed as a player who was very polished, but not really that great. He was viewed as like a kind of a super utility player or like a really good bench bat. So comes into the league with the juiced ball being that polished has a really good first year, but again, works the count to get to his power. Like I said, the polish, um, I don't think he's really this good. I hope that he's able to take that next step. Maybe they can platoon him. I'm not that big on him. He's not on my top 250. Um, I, I just, I, it's the same guy I've seen in the minor leagues. It's just when you come into the league and you have that kind of polish and you know you have that kind of baseball background, you can go off for a year before you come back down to earth. Um, that's their second baseman. But here's the deal. He should walk next year. The on-base percentage should at least be there. And he is fast. So if you put him in your leadoff spot, that can work for you. Um, at shortstop, they got Bo Bichette, stud. Um, he might go through a little bit of growth just because of how young he is. Um, but when he comes out of that growth, I think you're going to be dealing with one of the best offensive players, at least for his size, in the big leagues. Um uh, I, I love the bat. I love the swing. I love the base running talent. Uh, I love the attitude. I, I, I'm a big Bo Bichette fan. Big, big Bo Bichette fan. And again, another big leaguer's son. I mean, what the heck's going on there? Biggio, Guerrero, Bichette. What's going on? Uh, but it's kind of cool that they have that going on there as well. Uh, and they have another guy who's actually got baseball lineage uh, elsewhere on their roster, but we'll work around to him. So um, now the Blue Jays at third base, Okay. In recent years, they've gone with Travis Shaw. Um, I believe Shaw right now is a free agent, um, but he was the last guy that they had at third base that I can remember. And currently, I think the position is empty. Yeah, it's Santiago Espinal on their on their forty man. He's not going to be uh, their third baseman starting the season, and. Uh, there are a lot of third basemen on the market. I think that there's a high chance that they could even be uh, the team that brings Evan Longoria back to the East. But um, we also talk about Bryant possibly being on the market. We also talk about Arenado possibly being on the market. Maybe Eduardo Escobar. There's a lot of really good third basemen out there. They go for Brian Anderson with the Miami Marlins. I'm sure if you, if you deal the right pieces, you know, you can get him, but, they will not enter the year with no third baseman. So they are going to get someone just who, um, and then as far as their outfield left field is where they have that other player with baseball lineage. That's Loretis Guriel jr. He's the younger brother of Yuli Guriel, the cheating Astro. I'm never going to like the, 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 the starting nine of that team. Whenever I refer to them moving forward, I'm going to call them cheaters. It's going to follow them around for the rest of their career, as far as I'm concerned, and they deserve it. But Guriel, his younger brother, we don't think is a cheater. There's no reason to think he is. And he's so fun to watch. He's a fun base runner. I'm not sure um, they've really figured out what the best position for him to play is. I got to see him play shortstop in the Arizona Fall League, and he did okay but they have Bo Bichette there and they seem really unwilling to try Bichette, you know, at third base. Um, and Guriel, they didn't like how he was at third base when he played third. So instead of keeping him there and letting him grow, they moved him to left. And that's been an okay experiment, but he's a hitter. He is a hitter, hitter, hitter. And specifically an aggressive one at that. You're, you're not going to have good pitching be able to get him out like they could get out a lot of passive hitters. And as a righty, especially a righty who's, you know, coordinated six foot four, uh, he hits the ball when he hits it regularly, he hits it hard. It's not just hit. Um, and of course, cause like I said, he's righty. He doesn't have the shift working against him either. Um, he's one of my favorite young players in the game. So yeah, Loretis Guriel, watch him. Uh, like I said, you know, watch Guerrero, but like also watch Guriel. Their center fielder is Randall Gritchick, who his whole career has had trouble versus righties compared to how he hits lefties. But as of last year, he's league average now versus righties and still well above versus lefties. He has an aggressive profile, so you might strike him out, sure, but you know, you're going to strike him out 
with him trying to hit and hit the ball hard. Cause when he does hit the ball, everything he hits is hard. Uh, he really crushes lefties. He's a good defender in center field. He's a plus base runner. Overall, he's a pretty underrated player. Um, but he's a guy that you want to have either bat like a leadoff type thing. Maybe they put Bichette into like the two spot because the walks can move over Grichik and Grichik being as fast as he is. Maybe that works. Or maybe you put Grichik at the end of the middle of the order after Talese. So you go lefty righty there. But either way, you don't want him right sandwiched in the middle. You don't want him in the two, three, four, or five spots, really. Uh, he's a perfect six hole hitter, perfect nine hole hitter. It's a perfect leadoff type. Um, I'm a fan of him now. I haven't been a fan of Randall Gritchick for the majority of his career. Um, but I recognize that in his own way, he's carved out a, a, a little spot for him on a playoff team, on a championship team, if you give him a lot of protection, give him eight other bats, seven other bats. Um, good center fielder, not great. Uh, so that's a good spot that they have filled as well. And right field, everybody right now, is obsessed with Teoscar Hernandez because of the year he had off of like just power numbers, power numbers, power numbers. But truth be told, breaking it down month by month, he crushed it the first month, fell off a ton in the second month, but still did good. And then third month fell off another like absolute ton. And because of, again, like, you know, it was a 60 game season. We never got to see him continue to fall off. So it never completely skewed all his numbers. But then if you go into the advanced analytics, he's a fastball hitter. He has trouble hitting breaking balls. The best that he can do is foul them off. So, you know, as the league understands that, you can imagine the numbers just started falling off because people just started giving him the kitchen sink and he couldn't touch it. You know, I'm a curveball, changeup, slider, fastball in the outside corner, you know, fastball in the inside, low and in. You know, so, you know, you can't time it properly or, you know, like if you're only a guy who can hit fastballs, even if you're ridiculously strong, there's only so long you can stay in the league. Thankfully for the Blue Jays, they also have Derek Fisher, former top prospect from the Astros <clears throat> cheaters uh, organization. And uh, you could possibly platoon the two of them. So that might work for you in right field as well. Overall, they have a pretty underrated lineup. Uh, I think that they do need to upgrade at second base from Biggio. They obviously need to fill third base. Uh, I do think that they need to give some of their pitchers, even guys like Anthony Kay, give some of those guys more time in the minors to develop. Um, go get a couple of starters, you know, like go get people who will like bump Kay, uh, Woods Richardson, uh, and uh, Pearson into the five hole, put them in the back, you know, get Tanner Roark out of there, maybe put them in the bullpen because you do need to upgrade your bullpen. Um, but again, that's something that you can do on the fly. Maybe mid-year when you're contending, you add pen pieces to, to possibly make a, a chance of making it by Tampa Bay. But main thing is you got to get that third base position filled and you got to get some innings eaters or at least a innings eater to give the kids some time to develop. You don't want to rush that because what the Blue Jays have here, by 2022, they're a second place team. And I don't say that they're a first place team only because the New York Yankees are in that division and they're going to be peaking for the next about three, four years. So yeah, Blue Jays are going to be one of the best teams in baseball if they handle their roster situation correctly. If they handle it incorrectly, it could take up to three years them to get to where they want to be if they handle it correctly one year so that's basically where they're at um i do got to mention the farm system whereas some teams it's it's kind of like you know the orioles that's they they got rutch rutschman and they got um rutschman rather um and they got uh grayson rodriguez couple other guys next to nothing the Blue Jays farm system actually does have a decent amount of talent. If the guys at the big leagues, for whatever reason, don't end up panning out the way that the organization, you know, hopes that they do, uh, the way that, you know, at least some of them are looking like panning out. Yes, I was right. It is Richardson. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, in their farm system, they got right Kelvin DeCastro, who trust me, the guy's 17 years old. So I don't really say big things about people who are 17 years old often, but he's a shortstop who's got a great swing. He's projectable. He's a fantastic defender. He's got hands, range, action, actions, arm strength. Um, he's got everything that you need defensively uh, as a shortstop. He's got a power hitter's swing, and he's only 17 years old. He's already in the organization. Big fan of this kid, Raikelvin DeCastro, R-I-K-E-L-V-I-N, Raikelvin DeCastro. Um, it's not one word. It's D space Castro. I don't know how that works. Maybe they, it's supposed to have a dash, but that's how it's written. And I've been uh, scouting this guy for about the last eight months. He's one of the ones that really blew me away. Uh, and then in the most recent incarnation of the Blue Jays' top prospect list, uh, they ranked him a lot higher. So I guess I was right. Uh, so keep an eye out for him. He's only down in rookie ball, so it's going to be a bit till he's up. The Blue Jays are probably going to be actually back in contention at that point. Um, maybe a few years into contention. Uh, they got this guy, Miguel Geraldo. Excellent third base prospect should be in double a next year, 20 years old. Um, he reminds me of Jose Ramirez, but just as a righty, um, he looks fast for a third baseman. He's got a fantastic swing. He's got the same kind of Jose Ramirez body type though, and athleticism. Uh, and I think that's going to really lend to being a big leaguer. I think, uh, he's got big leaguer kind of written all over him. I'd be shocked if Geraldo wasn't an above average everyday player. And I don't say that a lot about guys in rookie ball either, or able. Um, above them, they have Thomas Hatch. He's a decent double A arm. They have Anthony Kay, who's in the big leagues uh, as a lefty. I still think that he should get a little bit more time stretched out in the minors. Uh, I, you know, some people tell me he's a reliever. I don't. I think he needs a little bit more time. Um, they got Gabriel Moreno, another catcher if none of the three catchers that they already have work out, but that's good. That's a position you need to have a stud at. And if none of them are doing it, then, you know, it's good to have all these backups. Uh, Kirk is ranked one spot ahead of Moreno, which makes total sense to me. Um, and then you have Alex Manoa. I believe that's how you say his name. He's a real good pitcher, but you want to take your time with him. He's down in low A. Might end up in double A at the end of the year. You have Aurelvis Martinez, who everybody seems to like. He's an 18-year-old. He's in rookie ball, shortstop, but he will move to third or first or left field because he's going to get big. So I don't see him as a shortstop. Really, I'd, I'd be shocked if he was a third baseman. So you're looking at a guy who's either a left fielder long-term or a first baseman, and I don't have trust in the offense enough to project that profile. Uh, he's, he's a little bit too swing happy, um, a little too aggressive little too out of control with some of his swings, but a lot of people have been big on him since he was an international prospect and some scouts see him differently than I do. They say, Oh, he's going to be able to keep his athleticism. Doubt it. Uh, if he could, and he does end up staying at third, then it's a pro or, or shortstop, either, either of those, then it's easily a top profile. I just can't see it. I cannot see it. He's 18 years old and he has that body already. It's not gonna, it's not, no, no. Um, but if he figures out things and refines things, he could be a hitter at first or, or left field, but I can't project that right now with him in rookie ball. Um, it's our fourth best prospect in their system. Third best prospect is Jordan Groshans. He was taken in the draft a little while ago. He's got a very Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, get the bat head out front for power type swing. I need to see it play at the higher levels because he has a patient profile and I need to know that it's just his profile and how he approaches counts and not that he's forced to work to deeper counts to be a success. And that's why I'm not as big on Groshans as a lot of top prospect guys. Um, I, I see ability, but I don't see him being able to hit pitches as easily as he'd need to for that ability to show up frequently so i need to see a little bit more time there thankfully he does have the profile of somebody a lot older than 20 years old looking at him you'd think he was about 23 
So he's got about a couple of years, two, three years to work with becoming a better hitter. But quite frankly, there are other people in the system that I like a little bit better. And then their second and first prospects in their system are Nate Pearson and Simeon Woods Richardson. So those guys are great pitchers. They're going to be fantastic. You just don't want to mess up the profile. Uh, and overall, that's my review of the third place projected Blue Jays. Solid. That was super in-depth. Yeah, um, I know the Blue Jays really well as an organization. You can tell. Typically, like... their farm system. Um, there's been a lot of guys in their system where, like, for one reason or, or another, I really liked, like, oh, this was a guy who he could be a Nick Castellanos. But he may not, you know, fully pan out because he works the count, you know. But he's a third baseman. So, you know, say he does pan out, and, but he gets bigger. Well, then you move him to first base, and it's still a working profile. Or, you know, guys like Miguel Geraldo, one of my favorite lower-level guys, or Raitelvin DeCastro, one of my favorite, like, 17-year-olds. So um, a lot of their guys do stand out. Simeon Woods Richardson, he's a control command guy but he throws hard enough for it to play up. So his numbers would normally look like based off of his skills, number three starter, but because he's so good at like the control and command stuff, mm -hmm. it plays up as a number two starter. And you're not ever going to have to put him in the number two role with that pitching staff being as it is because you have Hunjin Ru for that role. And you have Nate Pearson who could be the best starter in the minors. If you give him enough innings, if you just let him grow, uh, which again can take a bit, but like I said, you got to give him time. So that's, that's the blue Jays. And then next up in the NL East, we have. Oh yeah. The Braves. <laughs> yeah. This is going to mess. <laughs> you with you forgot for a second. I saw oh, it in your no, face. This is going <laughs> to, this is going to mess with a lot of people. Okay. Because I know Braves fans who are like, yeah, this is the beginning of our run. And I know uh -oh. other Braves fans who are like, well, look, the offseason's only already started. It's only just now started. And the, the Braves, they have a lot of payroll room. But if you go around and you look at each team's payrolls, there's maybe like three teams that don't have a lot of payroll room. Overall, Major League Baseball, every organization has tried to not spend on, on, on players. They've tried to develop. They've tried, like, there's a reason that Austin Jackson hasn't played in, what, two years. Like, they're, they're like, Austin Jackson, you're a good player, but I could pay you $9 million, or I could pay this guy 400000 and I could get, like, a half of what you are, and then I could pay this other guy 400000 mm. and I could platoon them, and then I can get completely what you are for less than a million. Why would I pay you $9 million? So that's kind of been going on across baseball. And now you have a whole bunch of teams, not, not every team, but almost every team has a lot of money to spend. Almost every team, like at least, there's at least 15 teams that could just drop bank. Um, so the Braves, while they have a ton to spend, they, they legitimately have one of the most amounts to spend. Um, they haven't really been keen to do that over the last few years. I don't see them doing that I, I see them as keeping to the track of developing players and then re-signing them like they did with Albies like they did with Acuna I believe they did it with Swanson but I could be wrong uh they did it with Freeman you know so that kind of seems like the Braves play it seems like the Braves are not going to shoot for one year they're going to develop and keep going the long-term play because they've it's been working for them pitching wise it's been working for them in their lineup they're one of the few other teams other than the Marlins who we talked about having this ability, but they're further behind on the process of being able to develop hitters and pitchers at the same time. Almost no one's able to do that. And the Braves are actually pulling it off in real time. That being said, next year looks like a growth year for me. I think Drew Waters, who's one of the best prospects in the game, he'll be up and you're going to have to give him playing time because he won't have anything else to learn at the minors by, by about mid-season. Pache, he's already in the big leagues. He needs time to grow and adjust to big league pitching. Um, he's not the greatest hitter. Um, he's not the worst hitter either. He makes contact. Um, I kind of liken him to 
kind of how things were with Victor Robles, where like he came into the league and everybody was like, yeah, he hit in the minors and he's still hitting. And then the league adjusted and he was well below league average. I think that's highly possible with Pache. But I also want to mention with Pache is that he's a great base runner. He's a phenomenal defender. So Bantam ninth, it's not going to be an issue at all, uh, especially because he'll show up in big moments, kind of like Robles. Actually, I got to think about Pache being on my on well on my honorable mentions list at least because the defense and the base running and the health are there and the showing up in big moments are there and the approach is there even if the ability to actually hit the ball consistently hard and be a consistent contributor isn't there should be there in big moments so kind of underrated talent there but again not a consistent damage doer he's going to bat like ninth eighth for you something like that. Um, or first, depending on how you want to do it. Because uh, he is a speedster. I just don't know how often he's going to get on base. It's an aggressive profile. Uh, not a patient one. Not one where you're going to just, you know, that's what I'm going to swing at. That's what I'm not going to swing at because it's a ball. Like, yeah, let him be who he is. Um, and then you go to third base. That's Austin Riley. And he's a good hitter, right? But not for third base. There's at least 16 maybe 17 better hitting third baseman in baseball. So they're at a big disadvantage there. Uh, even though at a random position, like at, you know, second base, Riley would be an awesome hitter. Um, I also want to admit that like Swanson, even though he's been getting better year by year offensively, had some concerns in the second half of last year with regards to strikeout rate and how deep he was working the count. But I do think that there's a strong possibility that we see at least in the next three years, a peak year in there out of Swanson. It could be next year. Could be. Um, maybe if that whole, you know, lots of walks, lots of strikeouts in the second half down the stretch was just him learning how to be a hitter who works the count. I mean, that could really have him have that peak because he's not going to have a lot of power uh, unless he does that. I mean, with his type of swing. Um, and he is one of the better base runners in the game. He actually had, major league baseball's best bsr he played like almost the full entire year last year and that's only like 60 games and he got like a bsr over four which is nuts i mean in a full season that's a bsr like of like a little bit over 10 which is like billy hamilton level gerard dyson in a good year level which you know we know swanson's not that fast but the mere fact that he's a now proven to be a plus defender plus hitter outstanding base runner he is yeah you know he's overall a stud he's a stud you know there's no way to deny it um albies who's routinely ranked as a better player than him switch hitter great defender their second baseman one thing that i want to note with him is that he's a lot better from the right side of the plate than he is from the left side of the plate not a lot of people have brought attention to that and it shows up a little bit more dramatically now that the juiced ball is out of the game. That being said, as a switch hitter, switch hitters take a little bit longer to get both swings going. So it could be a small sample size thing, but I do not like his lefty swing. So it is something to monitor. Uh, that being said, at least right now, he's a stud. And Freddie Freeman's the best first baseman in Major League Baseball. I think he just won MVP. So um, stud, stud there. Um, and then their catchers, Travis Darno, who's also a stud. He's very high up on my catchers list, but he's always hurt for about 50 games a year. Um, so you have to calculate that into things. And the people who will be coming in to replace him when he is hurt is like Tyler Flowers, who good defender, but not really much of a hitter at all. So most of the season, they're going to have Freddie Freeman hitting. Albies, Swanson. Uh, they're going to be having. Oh, uh, man. It's like he did just win lineup. MVP. He did. Yeah, it's like half a lineup. You got Acuna, you got Freeman, you got Albies, you got Swanson, you got Travis Darno, who, because of the injuries, you know, uh, and then, of course, being a catcher, you don't play as much, anyways. Um, and then outside of that collection of five guys, you have a, a good third baseman, but he's not good for third baseman. Like, as in he's, he's a good hitter overall, but he's not a good third baseman. Let me put it that way. Okay, there, rephrase. Um, 
And they have Pache, who will show up in moments you need him to in the nine-hole spot. Waters, we hope he'll acclimate immediately. Uh, if not, you're putting Inciarte in there, who's a good defender. Um, and, like, that's your lineup. It's, it's, it, you have a pitcher batting in there as well. So it's like, a, it's like a half a lineup, a little bit more than half a lineup. So I had to ding them for that, that they're going through this growth period. Um, and, you know, their starting pitching rotation is massively deeper than the number two team on this, this list. Um, but the, 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 the starters in it are basically a bunch of kids that are still learning. Like, I don't think Ian Anderson's going to be nearly as good as he was last year. Mm. I think he's going to go through a growth year. I love Max Freed. And I love Drew Smiley, and I think they're both going to have about the same year. Um, but a lot of the other members of their rotation that a lot of people are big on, like Mike Soroka, um, who's coming off like a fairly severe injury. Um, even guys like Tucker Davidson, not exactly proven. Um, I, I just, I, I'm glad they got Charlie Morton. You know, he's a stud. And I won't deny, but like Sean Newcomb, uh, he's not really proven either. Uh, there's a lot of growth that has to go on with their pitching staff. Now they have a really good bullpen. I'll give them credit for that. But like Kyle Wright, that's another one. Tuki Toussaint, that's another one. These are guys that like they're going to need. I know Tuki Toussaint, that's a great name, right? Mm-hmm. But these are all guys that like need to grow. And um, frankly, I don't like the idea of putting a lot of pressure on people like Drew Smiley or Max Freed. Um, hopefully Charlie Morton is able to continue things at this point in his career. I really like Charlie Morton. Mm-hmm. But even then, like you're trying to grow the back end of your rotation. Again, you're, you're doing it with t- guys who have talent and you should be able to do it. But when you're comparing that rotation to especially the, the main three headed monster, of the people ahead of them. I mean, look, it's pretty obvious what the sandwich team between the number one team is and this team is. I'm not going to say it, but it's pretty obvious. Um, I think that, especially given who the number two team just added as a as a four starter, who is a guy who is really good in must win moments, um, in must win games. You know, that's really the only times you need him to show up as a four starter. And given who they added to their lineup, I think that they have the lineup advantage. I think they have a slight advantage with the starting rotation. I think the Braves have the bullpen advantage. I think the Braves have the defensive advantage. I don't think the Braves have the depth advantage. I don't Mm. think they have the health advantage. I don't think they have the base running advantage. I don't think they have the big game advantage in terms of lineup quality in the big moments. And I also don't think that they're going to hit for as much power as the teams that are ahead of them, which over the course of a full year really, really matters in winning games and putting up the right amount. There's a certain amount of runs that you have to put up if you're going to win a certain amount of games, you know, because during the regular season, you're not going to have every game be a must win game where all your guys are coming through in the key moments. You're going to have to beat up on very average pitching, which patient approaches do. So you got to have a certain amount of power because home runs are hit on mistakes. And there you go. Average pitchers will give you mistakes. I don't think the Braves have enough power to compete with the teams ahead of them. I don't think they have enough big game pitching um, as the teams ahead of them or really pitching, to be honest, as the teams ahead of them. They have the depth, but it's not developed. Um, They have the money to spend, though, to be – just as good as the number one team in the division and the number two team in the division. It's just based off of who they've been under this management for the last five years, six years, seven years, they don't spend. So I'm not looking at them to do that. Riley, their third baseman who they could upgrade from was a top prospect. They're going to develop him into something better. Waters and Pache, their future left field, their future right field. They're going to develop there. When Travis Darno goes down, you know, Langliers, he's going to be coming up late in the year. When Flowers is not doing well or Flowers gets hurt, Langliers might come up or Lang, 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 Langiers, Shay Langiers. Uh, he was the second best catching bat, catching player. He's a great defender too. 
in Adley Rutschman, Adley Rutschman's draft. Got it. It's hard for me to say his name today. Um, but yeah, if, if he wasn't taken in that draft, if he wasn't eligible for that draft, he would have been the number one catcher in the entire draft. He's basically big league ready, very developed college bat. Wilson Contreras has a younger brother. Wilson Contreras of the Cubs has a younger brother, William Contreras, another top catching prospect, also basically big league ready in the Braves system. So I expect that they're just going to continue their development plan, which might set them back one year from being a top two team in the division. But I, I do want to note like they have as much money or more money to spend than most teams, but it's not as big of a, a deal right now because a lot of people have money to spend. And that's why I have them there. I'm going to get a lot of heat for this pick though. I'm going to get a lot of heat for this pick. Why do Braves you think? Fans, Braves fans are all about the Braves right now. They're uh, like, Freddie Freeman just won the MVP. We have this young team. Look at the defense. Look at the base running. Now the pitching is showing up. So, like, right now is peak Braves hype. If you're a Braves fan, you've been waiting for this moment since Chipper Jones, since the Jones boys, Andrew Jones, you know? Um, and, like, I, I – Good for you guys. You guys are going to be contending probably mm. for the next 15 years. But your team's not fully developed yet. And the teams that are ahead of you are win now. They're like ready to go. They're ready to compete. They have like at least four, maybe five each 30 home run hitters. Um, you know, you guys don't. Um, enjoy the development process. Breathe. Because they're going to be as good as anyone. Just give it a year, man. I feel like all seasons are Braves fan seasons. Because I feel like the most like hype fans in all of MLB are our Braves fans. I, well, they I got feel... the chop, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the chop. That's going to go away, <laughs> though, like under the current political climate. Mm -hmm. Like it's a little bit insensitive. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you Still, mean. Still, though, they're going to find – they have to find something to replace it. Mm. It's too cool. Everybody in the stadium getting into it like that? I don't know. Maybe they'll uh, – I don't know. They, they'll figure something out. Something. They'll figure they they figure, figure. Yeah, they got to figure something out. Way too iconic. Yeah. Way too iconic. That, that's the thing I hope teams do. Like, with this type of stuff, if they have to cut something out of the league or whatever, replace it with something that fans are going to like mm -hmm. more so that they don't have something to complain about. Mm -hmm. So that kind of ties us into the podcast we were doing the other day on like what was wrong with baseball yeah. and how to fix the sport. So definitely yeah. check that out if you haven't checked that out already. And uh, like and subscribe for sure um, if you haven't done that already. We have one last little segment to give you and then we're done for the night, which is two songs and a show. Chris, you want to kick us off? Um, so I'm going to throw you off here, actually. Oh, all right. I'm going to completely throw you off. Um, so I'm not going to give you two songs. I'm going to give you an entire genre of music. Oh. Um, so obviously. You're not going to you... bring out Synthwave here, huh? No, I'm not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that stuff, man. It's just it's not enough of it is out there. Not enough, not enough of the greatest parts of it, like straight out of the 80s. Mm -hmm. Bring it back. Goodness. So I obviously you already know I am back at work um hybrid so i'm at work three days a week and at school i can't listen to you know cursing music and stuff like that because the kids are running around they're little kids so that they're yeah. all running around and everything i can't listen to music Absolutely. like that so i have lo-fi any lo-fi playlist yeah. you want just choose from anything and i just have that on repeat right now just absolute repeat it is fantastic background music mm -hmm. so uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little screwball in there myself, something straight <laughs> out of left field, so to speak. Um, you know, instead of giving you know just two songs in a show, I'm gonna wrap it all up into one thing. So, Legion is one of the greatest shows mm -hmm. I have ever seen, ever. Uh, it's technically straight out of the X Men universe. Um, like a lot of some some characters from x-men show up but it, it's not like oh these people grow horns oh these people have blue skin like all the powers are kind of under the surface everybody seems human mm -hmm. but there are mutants and 
it doesn't have, you know, that typical feeling that you get when you watch an X-Men movie. Like you get this kind of similar vibes from most X-Men movies. This one is filmed almost as a mystery. This is made like almost as a mystery, but it's also a great take on mental health, which is a really key issue, especially right now. Um, and they deal with a lot of different uh, aspects of mental health as well. It's a great show. It's on Hulu. It's three seasons long. That's it. They're not making any more. It's impossible for them to make any more. If you make your way through the end of the, the show, you will know why. But it's got some of the greatest soundtrack to visuals combination of any show I've ever seen. They, they bring in all sorts of different renditions of like the who and like just all sorts of different stuff. And they just dropped the season three soundtrack. So season one soundtrack, season two soundtrack and season three soundtrack are out. Go check out the show. You're going to be blown away by the music. And then you're going to jump and check out the soundtrack. And then you're going to be like, wait, the soundtrack doesn't even have all the songs on it. And then you got to look up, okay, what are the songs from season one, episode one? <laughs> this is one of those shows. You're going to love it. You're going to get into it. You're going to be like, that's my favorite character. I, oh, and I also like that character. And what's even going on in this episode? It's a marathoning show, by the way. I do got a note, which is kind of a detracting thing, but it does need to be mentioned. It's not exactly a show that you can watch and then leave for a week. You got to just marathon as much as you can in one sitting because it's it, it it'll 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 mess with your mind the way that like inception does the way that like it's not it's not tenant level okay it's not tenant level mind messing but it it, it, it is inception level mind messing so on the nolan scale it's not maxed out <laughs> the christopher nolan scale you know what i mean uh yeah yeah, little director <laughs> knowledge there. But yeah, uh, and uh, that's it for for us this week. Definitely tune in next week when we bring you the second best team in the American League, League East and the National League East. Um, this is definitely going to be one of the bigger shows because both teams are, there's a lot to be said about them. They have changed a lot since the season ended. Uh, so definitely tune in. And obviously that show alone will reveal our number one picks. Mm -hmm. So shortly thereafter, we'll be moving on to the next division. See you then. See you then guys.